All right, real quick before we kick things off, people, I just want to let you know about a few coupon codes we've been given from some awesome companies. The first one is Mountain Ops. If you use the coupon code TAG10, that's T-A-G-10 at your checkout, you will get 10% off your supplements. Just go to mountainops.com to use the coupon code when you order. Also, Maven, Maven Bill dot com you can check out their binoculars they now make a rifle scope and they have some phenomenal products great glass great company and great people running it if you use the coupon code nbh gift at checkout you can get some free maven swag with your order also recent guests on the show the guys from Alpen Real have been kind enough to extend a coupon code and that coupon code is adventurous use the coupon code adventurous to get 15% off your order whether it's one of their badass reels or fishing line uh, I believe it works either way also final coupon code is gentlemen and if you use that at outdoorvitals.com with any purchase of $50 or more you will get a free inflatable camping pillow and they're great pillows they make some great products i have the sleeping pad myself as well as one of their mummy pod systems great people again there tason had them on the show before if you haven't checked out the episode just go find it down on your should be in the feed somewhere so check those out and enjoy the show if you are ready to take the hard road the road less traveled the path in life where the journey is more important than the destination. Then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigor. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Welcome one and all to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley, and today we have returning guest. You may remember him from our 90-miler canoe episode, Chasing Your Dream. Uh, if you haven't checked that out yet, just search the show notes for the link to that and head over, give it a listen, and then come back, give this one a listen. You'll be all caught up. But with us today is Ian Phillips, and he was my partner for the 90-mile canoe race, and he's been a longtime friend of mine since about sixth grade, I'd say, or so. Brother from another mother scenario. That's right. One of those. That's right. Even though we went to different elementary schools that eventually went to the same middle school, uh, you know, we became very close friends, even though he was a bit weird. Still is. So much backstory no one cares about. No. <laughs> so much. Uh, so today we're sitting down with Ian recapping him. If you remember that from that episode, he uh, he's doing a lot of thinking about life during the old 90 miler. And so we're going to catch up, see where he is today, see if he's been chasing his dream and uh, where he's at. So Ian, uh, the floor is yours. What the fuck is up? Well, uh, you know... Th- in the last episode, we talked about the 90-miler being something that was on our bucket list and how it was an amazing challenge and just kind of the things that we got out of it. Um, and just kind of that, even though it might sound cheesy, but what kind of personal growth do you get out of something like that? Because let's be honest, it really was one hell of an experience and a one once-in-the-lifetime opportunity. So when you go through something that intense, if you don't get something out of it and you don't grow a little bit, then you're probably a dipshit. Um, 
and don't get me wrong, I still am a dipshit, <laughs> but I definitely got a lot out of that experience. And, um, you know, here, here we are, uh, three months later and, you know, when I saw you coming back for Christmas, we were talking about just kind of some of the things that stuck with us. And even on a daily to day basis, what are the things that pop in your head? And I think about that race, honestly, on a daily basis. So it definitely made a huge impact on me. And one of the biggest things that it did for me was that doing that canoe race helped me find that moment of Zen where I realized that uh, the career that I'd been working towards for the past 10 years uh, might not be something I wanted to do. So I had the opportunity to buy into a bar that I'd been general managing for a very long time. And I decided that instead of buying it, I was going to quit. So. So, so, so this canoe race made you realize you wanted to be unemployed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I feel that's a real mature thing to do for sure. But um, no, I, honestly, I mean, I can joke about it, but... It, at the time, it was one of those things where, you know, do you go all in on something and try to force it to work or do you follow your gut and say, you know what, like, maybe I shouldn't be forcing this as much as I am. And are these things going to actually make me happy and will they get me to the place I want to be? And for me, I weighed all of my options and I decided that uh, the situation I was in was not the one I wanted to be in, and I wanted to make some major changes. And I don't think I would have been able to come to those realizations had I not done that intense race and really done some serious soul searching on that trip. So, did you make some serious change? What happened? So let's let's go this way about it. You, we finished the ninety mile canoe race. When you had left, you still hadn't had a concrete decision made but i knew you were leaning towards leaving the bar uh when did you really come to the realization that i'm i'm done i guess i already knew the answer before before i started the plane trip back to colorado and something that kept echoing in my head is the fact that riding to the airport you know, I told my dad, hey, you know, dad, it's here. I did this canoe race. I was really hoping I would find the answers, but I still have a little bit of doubt on what the right life choice is. You know, I have this opportunity and yeah, it is a once in a lifetime opportunity, but is it the right one? You know, there there's no instruction manual on life there. And sometimes there is no right or wrong choice. It's what you do with it afterward. And what my dad told me is that I think you already know your own answer. You know, this whole trip and hearing you talk, anytime that you come to anything negative or something that you're not excited about, it's about having your life be managing that bar. And anytime I hear you talk about it, it doesn't make you happy. And so I think you already have the answer for yourself. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. None of your friends are going to tell you what to do, but I will tell you. Um, it doesn't seem like that's going to make you happy because anytime you bring it up, it's uh, you can tell by the look on your face that you're dreading what your life would be if you do go down that, that rabbit hole only to chase the opportunity for a bunch of money. It's not something you're passionate about, so that's probably your answer right there. So that's that, what I decided. That's got to be scary, though. You're leaving your main source of income behind 
and you have no real plan of what the hell you're going to do when you do that or what's going to happen to you in life. What, what, what was that like going back and quitting? And was it scary? How did people take it? It's definitely scary. And, you know, it's not like I did some epic thing. This this is one of those life things. And it's something that every man and every woman is going to go through at some point in their life. But it is hard to break the routine. And I think those analogies can be made to a lot of different things, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, Um you know, you can find yourself just doing something over and over because now you know it so well, it's comfortable. And the unknown is a whole hell of a lot scarier. But I think that's part of the adventure of life is sometimes stepping stepping out of that comfort zone and finding that spot where it is unknown. It is a little bit scary, but the payoff can be a lot greater. So, yeah, for me, just saying, you know, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but... I know that this is not where I should be and this is not the direction I want to go. So if you can see a waterfall at the end of the river, uh, maybe you it's okay to take another route. You know, you don't know what's down the other paths either, but at least you know you're not heading down a <laughs> a tremendous clusterfuck of a waterfall. So, And how did your employers take your leave? I think they actually understood um, one of the owners I'm very good friends with. So she handled it great. She said, you know what? I know that you're a very passion driven person and you're ultimately going to do great things no matter what you end up doing. And I just want you to be happy. Um, so that was really nice and really comforting. Um, the other owner, I know she wishes me well. I don't think she fully understood kind of the reality of the situation and i do know that it's you know handling all of the responsibility of that place is something that she was ready to do so i wish them all the best but i know that they're you know sorting some things out and definitely hitting some speed bumps along along the way so i i wish them the best but it's definitely a rocky road (laughs) and so what do you do now I took the last two months off. Um, wasn't really planned, but I had like all the symptoms of pneumonia and was the closest to death I'd ever been. And um, so I felt I was dying. Uh, no exaggeration. So I really couldn't couldn't work, which sucked. But you know, sometimes your health is the most important thing. So maybe I just wasn't man enough to do that canoe race because literally three <laughs> weeks later is when I got sick and just stayed sick. Couldn't tell if it was the flu. Finally went to the doctors. They couldn't figure it out. But but yeah, now I'm feeling good and getting ready to get back in the game. So right, so nice two two month break to rethink and uh, gather yourself. Gather yourself and watch your bank account just tank. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> And so now what? Now I'm going back to Colorado. And the nice thing is that after managing a bar and working in the bar business for almost 10 years, you get to know a lot of people. And as as long as you're not a complete shitbird, then everyone really wants to, you know, help you out. If you show that you're an honest hustler, um, it's not really hard to find a job. So I can 
literally throw out on Facebook, hey, Ian needs a job this week, and I've got a ton of options. But what I'm going to be doing when I get back is I'm helping uh, build a couple of spec houses up in Lyons, Colorado. So that will be my main source of income. And it will also give me the time to finish my adventure bus project, which I started. And so I can have that all ready for spring. So that's what I'm going to be doing. So tell us about this adventure bus project, because you're going to be doing construction, which I imagine you also didn't quit uh, managing a bar to do construction for the rest of your life. It was to chase some kind of dream. So what is this dream and what is this adventure bus all about? Hey, I mean, I'll never balk at a job swinging a hammer. It's just good, honest work. And I'm really glad I had the chance to do it when I was younger and keeps you humble and going and, you know, doing manual labor on a daily basis is something a lot of guys can't handle. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for it. And in this economy right now, it's... If you're willing to show up on time, not be a jackass, and actually work, at least out in Colorado, it's very easy to find work, and it actually pays pays well. So while that's not my ultimate dream, I also think in this kind of climate, it's just really good to be flexible and say, you know what, you know, maybe this isn't the, the end game, but just be versatile and say no matter what it is I'm going to be doing, it's just show up and do, you know, an awesome job every day. And that's going to count for a lot. Um, but yeah, what I'm ultimately working towards is the bragging ass fun concierge service is my party bus service. So there's five different wedding venues in the town that I live in and there's no transportation. So I saw a niche that could be filled and I know a lot of people and I'm friends with all the wedding coordinators. So I had the opportunity to buy a bus and I'm converting it into being a lounge on the inside with a bar and it looks nice and wood trim. So it feels like you're in a sweet cigar lounge on wheels and already been starting booking uh, weddings for the spring. And I know it's going to be a good thing. And it's actually a job I enjoy. You know, it's it kind of takes on all of the things of managing a bar, only you're not dealing with the same like sullen regulars on a daily basis that are there to drink their sorrows away. It's people that are having a good time and in a good mood and just ready to have an awesome experience and then let someone else worry about things. So that's what I've been doing for 10 years and this is just a lot easier. So, and and tell us about this bus. Is it like a school bus, city bus? What what are we looking at here? It used to be an airport transit vehicle up in Minnesota and it was bright Pepto-Bismol pink and it actually looked kind of cool in a gaudy, awful kind of way. I thought it was pretty charming, but uh, to play it safe, I had it wrapped to look like the Colorado flag with woody paneling, and the name "The Bragging Ass" is just something that I think is kind of, kind of funny to me. It's tongue in cheek, and if you say, "Oh, well, I'm the Bragging Ass Fun Concierge Service. I'm the best fun concierge service in Lyons, Colorado, which is just a tiny little podunk town," people are like, "Well, that sounds ridiculous," and that's the point. <laughs> so it's really easy to be the best of something if you're the only one in a tiny town of a thousand people. But um, but that's that's what I think is kind of funny about it. So and I've always had an affinity for donkeys. They're not the sexy, glamorous workhorses. It's 
you know, Burroughs donkeys were the creatures that helped build the West. Let's throw throw a ton of shit on the back of this animal and it'll hike me up over the mountain and get the job done. So that's what I think is funny about it. So your spirit animal would be the donkey. My spirit animal is definitely a donkey. <laughs> so Not a lot of people out there trying to claim that one. <laughs> well, that's all right. I'm no, I'm no sexy Clydesdale. I'm a raggedy-ass donkey that'll pack pack everything up and go over a mountain, but get the job done. So... <laughs> so. What have you done to this bus to make it more fun than, say, a normal bus? Well, <laughs> then a Pepto-Bismol pink people hauler. What do you got? Well, it's not... Creating a party bus is not an original or novel idea by any means, but I am making it a lot more comfortable than just a typical school bus. And I originally got this idea when I was living in New York City, And every time that we had to leave the city and go anywhere, we would get stuck in traffic and it sucked. And I always thought, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could have a beer and if you had to like use a bathroom, you could use a bathroom. So that's when I started developing the idea of creating a lounge on wheels. So the bus that I have um, will have a bar built on board. So it's kind of mid project at the moment, but it's there's solar panels on the roof that power beer fridges and since I'll be doing a lot of weddings, there's the amenities that you could use for hanging up suits and getting ready on the bus. There's television and karaoke machines, sound systems, good ambient lighting. So it's not like the weird, creepy cocaine stripper bus. This is more the fun, silly, hey, we're going towards a wedding, so let's stop at this marijuana dispensary and then drink beers on the bus and have a good time. Because... Colorado is the finest of everything. Outdoor adventure, marijuana shops, breweries, <laughs> distilleries, and all of that. Literally all of those things are within a 15-minute drive from where I live. So capitalize on your proximity, and wherever you are, find your niche. <laughs> so our listenership, actually the majority, the biggest slice of the pie, if you will, is based out of Denver, Colorado. Uh if they want to take a ride or a trip on this fun concierge service, how would they get a hold of you? So I am getting the website set up. A lot of this is going to seem lackluster because it's, oh, well, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But uh, literally, it was very hard to get all of this stuff set up while I was still general managing uh, the bar that I was working at and trying to make sure that that delightful piss hole didn't burn down on a daily basis. But now that I got through whatever crazy black plague illness and didn't die and came home, had a little vacation, when I get back, it's hitting the ground running and getting all that stuff set up. So, you know, all the standard things, if you Google search the Breaking Ass Fun Concierge Service, you will find the information there for it. And, but, yep. We'll be doing all sorts of different services, but that is how you can find it on the Googles. On the Googles. And do you have any special trips? Or I know you also organize pop-up concerts, which are pretty cool. What what do you do there? How do people find out about those? <laughs> That's kind of a smaller thing. That's just a, like a little passion project of mine of I hire musicians and create unique musical experiences and beautiful places where there's not typically music. And if you know about it and you get to go, you experience something beautiful in that moment and then it disappears like it never happened and it's gone. So that's not one of those things I advertise. 
Really? So how do people how would people know? <laughs> how, how do people know, Ian? <laughs> they they've got to know me, and if I think that they're worthy of getting the information, then I send out a text message the morning of the concert, and then people know about it, and then they attend. So this is not something I thought we'd be discussing, because yeah, there's no way <laughs> the listeners can find out about this stuff. But if you ever meet me in person and uh, we hit it off, then I oftentimes you know mention to people that this is a project that I do. And then I give them the information of how they can figure out about it. So if they either stalk you and find you at your place of residence or book a trip on your bus, they could possibly get a sweet invite to one of these pop-up concerts. Well, the stalking thing is probably not the best route at all. And also one of my neighbors is a crazy man that shoots first and asks questions later. So that's my security system. So wouldn't recommend that. But, you know, maybe that's just one of those things in life because... We're in a podcast. No one knows what the hell I look at. So anyone you, you meet, mean look like <laughs> I might be that weird, creepy dude. So maybe just try not to be an asshole in general. And that's the, the best, best bet. <laughs> yeah, don't search him on Facebook. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, forgot that's a thing. Where <laughs> yeah. you could get his locations and face. And the fact that he drives a big bus that he has amply described the look of. Or that. I thought this was going to be a conversation about the canoe race, and now this is... stalking you. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's get back to the canoe race. You said you think about it every day. What, what are you thinking about? I mean, how good I looked canoeing, or what? what are your thoughts? how haggard both of us were looking uh, again it's we made it through that race but we definitely did not perfect the art of it by any means but you know just some of the overall like life lessons that really sink in when you're doing something like that i do think of on a daily basis uh one of the things that i can say i do think about daily is like what are the things you're actually getting upset about and do these things matter or frankly do they not matter at all you know should i be giving a fuck about certain little things that are irritating me and getting me all riled up and raising my blood pressure and most of the time the answer is no um and that's one of the things i got out of of that race was kind of just focusing and streamlining the whole process and focusing on what your end game and what your goal is and figuring out what what is the shit that doesn't matter and just focusing on the things that do I would say that's the biggest thing that I I got out of that for sure. And if you were to do it all over again, which could very well happen, is there anything you would do differently this time through? Well, there's a lot of things that I would do differently, and we will see. Uh, I guess there's yet to be an official announcement, but you know when the microphones are not on you and i have discussed whether we're going to do this again and do we want to try doing a four-man canoe or what do we want to do and my feeling is that we will do this again and i think that when we do we should focus on improving our time <laughs> i think that's one, one, one thing to start with if we got the worst time they'd pull us from the course <laughs> literally they'd yeah. pull you from the course if you don't make the cutoffs and we barely made them so <laughs> barely uh yeah but just improving efficiency and if you're gonna do something try to do it right so now that we have uh we have done our basic 
YouTube searching for how to canoe for dummies, and we've at least figured that out. Now I think it's time to start maybe practice and <laughs> work on our form because I don't think that was anything that we actually nailed down. It's We would try, and we'd have moments of actually uh, doing it right, and then we would both get frustrated and going back to our brute idiot strength form. And uh, Yeah, we're really bad at paddling really bad really bad (laughs) (laughs) but that that's honestly okay and i think that's another thing that is so funny to me is that even though we were so terrible so terrible and at moments you think like wow this is a terrible time my back hurts or i'm sleeping in a wet tent on the ground and i'm exhausted and we're gonna go do this again like why do i find this fun once we cross that finish line i know for myself and for you too we had that moment where where we're like what do we actually think about that and the answer was that was awesome let's do it again and sometimes you don't even know why you had so such a good time doing it but all you know is you want to do it again and that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I would say there was not a single point in that race where I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. Not once. I think the entire time in the race, and we were in some real shitty weather. We had some little bit of lightning, a lot of rain, a lot of wind, which for guys who don't know how to steer a canoe, <laughs> it's pretty tough. And then for those of you who don't know, we uh, part of the course goes through a section where it's literally just switchbacks real tight turning switchbacks and when you don't know how to really turn a canoe especially not efficiently uh it can be super tough and you know there's a few times where we spun that thing around in the wrong direction and it was awesome the whole trip was amazing i don't i can't remember anything I've done that was a competition that lasted that I've never done anything that lasted that long that was a competition and I was so bad at but had such a good time doing it yeah and you know you're saying you didn't have a moment where you didn't have any fun I did I'll 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 be honest about some of this I am probably one of the only competitors to ever do the 90 mile canoe race after eating some delicious Colorado gummy bears (laughs) uh, which have a copious amount of THC in them so since I know my mom's not going to listen to this podcast you don't know that you don't know that (laughs) well at least it'll buy me some time if she ever does hear about this It'll be several years, I'm guessing. Or you'll at least be back in Colorado. Or that, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your listenership on this? Are you up to like 13 people listening to this thing yet? And- oh, we have a few more. <laughs> There's a few more. I guarantee someone who knows your mom will listen to this. Well, that's, that's okay. Help, help me keep my dirty little secret for now. But, uh, Don't tell Ian's mom. Any yeah, of so good old Colorado gummies. Again, like the town I live in has three different dispensaries and marijuana when used responsibly is an amazing amazing gift from the earth <laughs> so after uh, after about five hours of paddling on day number one that's when i was like oh man my back's starting to really hurt maybe it's time to eat one of those gummies so i did and about an hour later it was all of my get up and go muscles that were helping pull the canoe all of a sudden became the giggly hey isn't it a beautiful day out will and i had to keep reminding myself that we were actually in a race and be like oh shit that's right we're in a race focus (laughs) so 
the things that I learned on this race is I probably won't do any gummies this time because while it made it a lot more fun, my productivity went to absolute shit. So, but if any sponsors from Colorado <laughs> want to sponsor the team, then, uh, you know, it's, I will spread good cheer and tell everyone the positive attributes of responsible drug use. <laughs> so, so, so you could say in your experience, marijuana is not a performance enhancing drug for endurance races. Uh, it's got a m- so many amazing qualities, but definitely not a performance enhancing drug. And uh, at least it made me not worry about my back hurting. Instead, I just worried about falling out of the canoe and drowning. Because <laughs> when that wind kicked up and those waves were, were really hitting, uh, yeah, you and I were one of the only teams that threw our life jackets on because, yeah, I was scared. I think a lot of people had them on already to to be uh, <laughs> to clarify that. Um, <laughs> so the first time through, we basically had zero planning. We didn't have a lot of teams have pit crews to help them get their stuff from place to place. Uh, next time through, would you do a pit crew? Definitely. And that is one nice thing that now planning ahead a little bit more and knowing what we need, uh, we're going to hit up some of our buddies, you know, maybe our dads or, you know, our buddy. We have one buddy whose dad's awesome. His name's Gio. I bet he would probably be down to do it, and he's way more reliable than his son, Joe. (laughs) He might. So he might come along, but having a pit crew is really important and can make the overall quality of your life during those three days so much better because I know for both of us, neither of us enjoyed setting up a tent in the rain and then eating like a the camping meals out of a bag in the darkness by ourselves. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed that. Well, <laughs> I think you enjoyed it less because of the reaction it had to your intestines the next day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, sleeping in a wet tent filled with farts was not. Oh my God. This tent people too. It's, it smelled so bad when you unzipped this tent from Ian and I in the mountain house we had eaten that it's the kind of thing I think they would put terrorists in for capital punishment. Yeah, no, or, you know, Dick Cheney would use as torture instead of waterboarding kind of scenario of, like, give us the information or you're yeah. going in this tent and with I, these two I think they'd disgusting. get information quickly. Yeah, no, they definitely would. Quickly get that information. <laughs> if you ever wanted to smell what men who haven't showered for multiple days and terrible farts is like, come canoeing with us. I can almost hear each one of your sponsors sending you an email <laughs> saying they're quitting and don't want to sponsor you anymore. Can hear those emails coming into your inbox right now. <laughs> so this is the kind of event, though, where I feel like if you do it and people know you've done it, it'll either inspire them to do it or elicit some type of reaction. Have you had any kind of feedback from people since doing this race and even ones you didn't expect to say anything about it since doing it? Yeah, it's I, I do have a lot of amazing friends and people in my life that were very inspired 
um, by this by this race and just even seeing our story that we did it um, for one, I think showing that two idiots like us were able to do it and not die was kind of inspiring to a lot of people because um, I don't think we instill a lot of faith in people of our expertise and machismo. But I think that's part of it is that neither of us are trying to be. We're just a couple of regular dudes that, you know, see an adventure and something we want to do and we're just going to go try our best at it. You know, yeah, that's cheesy. Just get out there and try your best, kids. But that's what life is and you're not coming in first every single time the point is just say you know what we're gonna go do that and give it a give it a goal good old whack and that's what we did so a lot of people when i got back to colorado saw the pictures and you know asked about the stories and i've had so many people say that they want to participate in this same project because they really saw how much i got out of it and in a weird way, I felt like I came back a better version of myself. And it was something that other people could see in me. And the fact that a shitbird like myself could come back a better person from something like that, I think it gave people hope that it could change them for the better as well. So you come back, you're getting good feedback. And I think the backstory of this is, we're kind of goofballs. We're not really the high-end performance athletes who it's like, hey, these guys will go in and crush anything. But I think what is important is there's not much, if we decide we're going to do it, we can't do. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that who it's like, oh, you might be a little bit of a goofball and a less serious character, shall we say. But there's no reason that if you want to do something, you can't just put your mind to it and get it done. You'll just be getting it done in probably a lot more fun way than anybody else. Yeah, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I, I think we mentioned it in the first podcast, but really briefly, I'll bring it up again, is that um, there was a team that passed us on the race, but... They were having a miserable time because one of the guys was screaming at his teammates and barking out directions and orders. So, you know, I bet they finished hours ahead of us, but they had a miserable goddamn time over the course of those, let's see, like 24 hours total it takes to do that race. And that's not how I want to spend 24 hours of my life. So, yeah, you and I finished in like the last 10 places of that race. But you know what? To me, <laughs> that I would rather have an experience like that than get a gold trophy any day of the week. And like you said, I think there's a lot more people out there that want to, you know, get something out of their, their life and have an experience and grow. And the trophies and the medals don't mean a damn thing. Yeah, they definitely aren't handing out any medals for the position we finished in. I think even the ones they give for participation don't go that far down. Nope. <laughs> we got chicken sandwiches at the finish line. That was good enough for me. That's true. We did get some great chicken sandwiches. Yep. For sure. <laughs> Is there any other kind of uh, competitions or races or goals you've, you've seen other than the 90-miler that you've thought, man... That's something I really like to do. Yeah, there is. And I cannot reiterate enough how I am not a manly dude. But doing that race definitely inspired me to just, you know, find your comfort zone and cross it and do do things that 
I'm not comfortable with, you know, jump into that unknown, get into the scary, get into the weird and just go for it. Cause who cares? You know, this is the one shot that you got at this lifetime. So you might as well do as much weird shit as possible. So, you know, that was <clears throat> part of it. Like I said, it's inspired me to quit my job that I no longer had any passion for. It's inspired me to get my passport and go travel and go see the world. And that's what I'm really excited for. I'm not a runner, but I vowed that I would run a marathon in 2018. So I'm. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh, yeah. You want to hear more about that? <laughs> yeah. When did this pop up? Oh, no, I, I should rephrase. Not a marathon, a half marathon, because that's like, what, 13 miles? I think I can do that and not shit my pants or die. So that's what I'm going for. I We're going to start there. 30, half marathon. 13 <laughs> might be too easy. Too easy? Yeah. No way, man. Uh, it's as my grandpa said, I'm built like a brick shit house. When I run like six miles, my, my legs hurt, my back hurts. And again, my, my bowels with the UC, it's I've got my limits. So <laughs> carry it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is fine. I mean, I've got no shame, so I'd be fine with that. But man, you, we're going to start with 13, see how that goes. Have you picked a half marathon out yet? Or um, I have not, but. As we're recording this, this is in the last days of 2017, so you know how well we plan for stuff. So I've got a couple of days to figure it out. It's fine. I'd do a marathon with you. Half marathon or no, a marathon? A, yeah. A full marathon. A full marathon. That still sounds like such a terrible idea to me, but you know what? Sure. Why not? If, if you pick... I plan the 90-mile canoe race for us, so if you pick the marathon... And set it all up. I'll put as much effort into doing this setup as you did. <laughs> we finished, didn't we? <laughs> we got to the start. We got to the finish. <laughs> yeah, so if you can do that for us with a marathon, then fine. I'll do it. Right, if anybody out there has ideas for marathons, I'd prefer if it was in upstate New York area, just because I do not want to have to go to Elevation to run a marathon and have my lunch get eaten. That would be super. Is that like a phrase? Have your lunch get eaten? Yeah. Yeah. When something really sucks, it's like the bully who comes and eats your lunch. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. I get that. Yeah. So it's like, oh man, that dude ate my lunch <laughs> or that, that canoe race ate my lunch. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we're doing a marathon. Well, what a dumb idea. I'm glad I came over here this morning. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the greatest gifts are the ones you don't expect. That's so spiritual. <laughs> and deep. So, you're going to do a marathon this year. You may do the canoe race again this year. Anything else on the dream chasing docket? You know, at the moment, it's just get the business going and go do some exploring, see a little bit more of the world and actually enjoy a little bit of life. You know, it's I hate to sound like, oh, what was me? Blah, 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 because I made all my life choices. But while I was general managing a bar that encompassed my life for the entire time I've lived out in Colorado and I'm coming up on eight years of being out there and I really haven't done a whole lot other than sling drinks to a lot of people for many, many hours a week. So I think sometimes people start going down a path and it's a death by a thousand cuts rather than like, oh, you just 
died all at once. You know, little by little, it takes a little bit more of your time, a little bit more of your energy. And then the next thing you know, it's got all your time, all your energy. And you're like, how the fuck did I get here? Yeah, that definitely happens. You know, it's the same same thing, death by a thousand cuts. But I've made the analogy to people that, you know, I felt like I was a pile of chicken feed. And every day when there was like some whiny Yelp review or someone that felt like their food took 30 (laughs) seconds longer than it should have on our busiest day of the year, you know, would take another peck at you and pull another piece. And that can happen with any job. And that's that's one of the hardest things, you know, that any of us are going to have to deal with is find that point where you decide, okay. Is this worth like toughing it out and doing it? Because let's be honest, like money is a real thing. You need it. Um, When people have kids and spouses, it's not all about you anymore. You have to do whatever you have to do for the good of the team. Uh, That's why I have the luxury of being a single idiot. And my mistakes are really only going to impact me. So that's why I figured, you know what, before I'm up to my up to my neck in the quicksand, I really can't get out. It's time to time to take a jump. So that's why I did it. Was that the original question? I don't even remember what the hell we were talking about. <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, this has been the Adventures Gentlemen Podcast. Get out there. Live your life with vigor. Don't quit your job if you really need the money. But if you don't, eh, maybe something worth looking into. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being 33 and unemployed, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye.